0: Welcome to the Cover Crop Strategies Podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today's program is brought to you by BioTill Cover Crops. BioTill cover crops provide innovative solutions to growing problems with a complete line of cover crops engineered to scavenge nutrients, improve water infiltration, stop erosion, rejuvenate soils, improve your bottom line, and keep you profitable. Call 541-928-0102 today for one-on-one local consultations and recommendations. Today, I'd like to introduce Augustine Obor, a soil scientist with Kansas State University. Augustine will be discussing using cover crops for soil health and forage in dry land systems. Welcome to the podcast, Augustine.
1: Thank you, Sarah, I'm happy to be here.
0: To get us started, uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, my as you mentioned, my name is Augustino obor I'm a soil scientist with Kansas State University. I've been with K-State since 2013. My research is mostly focused in soil management in dryland systems. So some of the work that I do is looking at different tillage uh systems and their interaction with nitrogen fertilizer application and how that affects uh, sorghum and winter wheat yields. I also do quite a bit of research on cover crops, looking at how we can integrate cover crops in dry land systems. And currently one of the projects that I'm working on is to look at grazing cover crops. And if we graze this cover crop, what is the impact on soil health in dryland land environments? So these are basically some of the things that I'm working on in my dryland research.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and, and jump right into our questions for this morning. Talk a little bit about what the benefit is of growing cover crops instead of perhaps leaving fields fallow.
1: Thank you. This is a very important topic because uh, fallow is normally used in our dryland cropping system to store soil water for the subsequent crop. And maintaining fallow means that we have to leave the ground with no vegetation. So to accomplish this, we either spray the weeds or we till. So when we do that, not leaving any vegetation or tilling the field exposes the fields to a lot of soil degradation, including wind erosion and also uh, nutrient losses. So we have, most of our soil have depleted soil organic matter content. So growing a cover crop in place of fallow has several benefits one of them is covering the soil so when we cover the soil that helps to protect it against uh, soil erosion and also cover crops helps in nutrient cycle it builds organic matter content in the soil and one thing that we are seeing now is we suppression benefits from cover crops so growing a cover crop has several benefits for us it increased like I said, it's all organic matter content, infiltration, race, uh, house uh, weed suppression, and it actually helps in improving our soils in dryland environments.
0: Great. So in a dryland scenario, a lot of times growers might be hesitant to use cover crops because they're afraid that those covers will use moisture that would or should be used by a cash crop and thus result in lower yields for that cash crop. Have you seen that to be the case in your research?
1: Yes, uh, this is a very important uh, question that we need to talk about. Um, Cover crops like any other crop uses water. And in our dry land environment, water is very, very important for crop production. So when you grow a cover crop in place of fallow, true, it uses water. From our research, we've seen um, depletion of soil water content uh, when we grow a cover crop in place of fallow, particularly in dry years. And we have seen this in many other regions in the semi-arid Great Plains, like Eastern Colorado, uh, Montana and all other places. So you grow a cover crop in place of fallow in dry years, that will use water. And that can affect your subsequent cash crop yields if you don't have enough growing season rainfall to recharge uh, the soil. But what we have seen is in some years uh, that we have normal rainfall, growing a cover crop actually doesn't affect soil water content because we have adequate water to replenish the soil. So, we see that in years that we have normal precipitation, subsequent yields are not decreased. But in dry years, we have seen as much as 30 to 70 percent yield decreases uh, following a cover crop. So, it's true that you can have some yield drugs when you grow a cover crop in place of fall.
0: So, it really just depends on the weather and how that season works out with uh, moisture levels, correct? Yes.
1: So it all depends on the weather condition. And as you know, in our environment, uh, weather is highly variable. It varies from year to year. So actually, one of the things that we are doing in our research is to look at what we call flex cover cropping concept, which we started in 2015. So what this means is that at the beginning of the fallow period, when you want to grow a cover crop, you actually measure the soil water content to see if you have adequate moisture in the soil. Then you look at the uh, weather uh, prediction center to see whether the outlook for the growing season if it's going to be wet or dry. So if you measure very little soil water content in the soil, and then the weather outlook is going to be dry, then you don't plant the cover crop. So what, that is what we call a flex follow. So you don't plant the cover crop. But if the weather outlook is going to be wet, and then at the time of uh, sampling, if there's adequate moisture in the soil, then you go ahead and plant the cover crop. So we started that kind of research as part of our cover crop management options uh, strategies in our dryland crop production. So we have that research ongoing since
0: 2015. Very interesting. So in that flex cover cropping approach, Have you found that there are certain cover crop species that are better in dry years versus wet years?
1: Yeah. um, In our environment, there are so many cover crop species that one can grow. But in our environment, we're seeing that normally most of our cover crops tends to be dominated by the cool season grasses, like oat, triticale, and barley. But we also have some broadleaves cover crop that does very well, like uh, peas, uh, turnip radishes, uh, sunflowers. And then for summer cover crops, we see the millet, sorghum sudans, cow peas, and then sunhem also tend to do very well in our environment.
0: Okay. So is it better for growers to approach cover cropping as just having a cover crop or Uh, perhaps using that cover crop as a forage? Are there benefits to that in a dry land environment?
1: Yeah, this is very, very critical. So like I told you, we have cover crop data since 2008 that we've been doing this. We have seen that in some years we tend to decrease our subsequent cash crop yields with these cover crops. So what we are doing now is to see if we can use this cover crop for forage. So if you graze these cover crops, then it gives you some economic benefit. So you get a benefit economically from the cover crop when you use it as forage. So when you graze it, you get an economic benefit. So even if your subsequent crop yields are decreased, then you are not losing money. So we've been working with about right now, we have over 20 producers that we are working with uh, looking at grazing cover crops in dryland systems. And it's It's going pretty well. Most of the producers that we're working with are very happy with grazing these cover crops.
0: Great, great. So now a little bit ago, we talked about uh, some of the cover crop species that are uh, successful in a dry land system. Have you seen in your research, if it's better for growers to use a monoculture cover crop or does a cover crop mix do better?
1: Yeah, this is this is a very interesting question. You know, uh, there is always a contest to this uh, cover crop. People have different goals in growing cover crops. So if the goal is to have um, some benefits like uh, nitrogen fixation or having uh, uh, pollinator benefits, then growing a mixture will be the way to go. And also, from our research, we haven't seen uh, the advantage of cover crop mixes over a monoculture cover crop that is very productive. So in terms of looking at biomass production, the grass cover crop species, uh, if you grow them in monoculture or in mixes, they tend to produce more biomass than when you have uh, broad leaves cover crops. So in my opinion, or uh, based on what we have seen in the literature, you don't want to be overly excited about too much cover crop species mixes. Uh, You don't want to grow 20 species in a cover crop mix. My recommendation is to do not more than six species in a cover crop mix, because what happens is when you plant all these species, it turns out to be uh, three to four species that will be dominating in your cover crop mix. But like I said, it all depends on what you are looking for, the goal of these cover crops. If you are looking for, if the goal is to have significant weed suppression, then you have to grow something that is adapted to the environment that will produce more biomass to help you provide weed suppression. If the goal is for attracting insects, then you have to have a species in there that will flower to bring in these insects that you are looking for. So it all depends on what you want to do. If you want to graze the cover crop, then you want something that will produce biomass so you can graze it. And in that case, you don't need that 20, 10 species mix. If you have three, three species mixes that you think they do very well, will give you the production that you are looking for. That is what I would go for. Because these cover crops also cost money. So you have to be to be aware of that.
0: Well, that that leads me to my next question, talking about the economic benefits, which I know you alluded to that a little bit earlier when you were talking about grazing cover crops as forage. Um, what are some of those economic benefits to using cover crops in a dry land environment?
1: Yeah, that is, uh, that is something that um, comes up very often. Uh, right now, uh, in terms of growing cover crops freely as a cover crop, So a cover crop should not be harvested, right? So if you're growing strictly as a cover crop, then the short-term economic benefits may not be there because you are looking at it in building your soil. So in the long term, you may benefit from the soil health improvements in your soil. But in terms of short-term benefits, if you graze these cover crops, then you are going to get returns very quickly. Then the other thing that we are also seeing in our research is the issue of herbicide resistant weeds. So if you have uh, resistant weeds like kosher or parma amaranth, growing a cover crop to replace fallow, having something growing to suppress these weeds will give you an economic benefit right away in the first year of doing this, because we have seen in our own research where we live as fallow, we've been spraying about four times to control the weeds during the fallow period. When we do cover crops, we plant cover crop. we spray twice. So you are saving two herbicide sprays. And I know a grower, or even in our own race, at the first year that we started, we planted a cover crop, terminated the cover crop in June, and we didn't apply any herbicide until we planted our nest with crops. So we sprayed once. So depending on how you do this, you can actually terminate your cover crops, apply a residual herbicide, that will control the weeds until you plant your next wheat crop if you are doing this in a, a wheat sorghum fallow rotation. So, there's some economic benefit in the short term if you have weeds that you need to use this cover crop to manage or if you graze these cover crops. But if you are growing them strictly for soil health benefits, then it will take you uh, a couple of years to get the economic benefits from the cover crops.
0: Well, that, that leads me to another question. So talk a little bit about some of those long-term soil health benefits that you've seen um, due to cover crops.
1: Good. So uh, like I said, we have experiments that have been around since 2008. So we have seen one of the things that we measure consistently is the physical properties, the soil health uh, benefits from soil physical properties that we've observed. Something like water infiltration, aggregate stability. So once you are protecting the soil, you are preventing uh, soil erosion from occurring and you are building soil organic matter content in the soil. So that helps to improve the soil physical properties. So we see an improvement in aggregate stability, infiltration rates are also improved. And we also see increases in soil organic matter content. One interesting thing that we found um, over the years is uh, the first five years that we did this, we saw a significant increase in soil organic matter content. And then we hit a dry year in 2012, where we were not growing a significant amount of biomass from our cover crops. So we did not increase the soil organic matter content levels, but we were able to maintain the soil organic matter levels with our cover crop treatments. And we also uh, able to maintain the soil physical property. Those are very consistent. We see the improvement in soil aggregate stability and infiltration. And one thing that we also observe is the uh, wind erodible fraction of the soil. That is an indicator of the susceptibility of the soil to wind erosion. That is really easy to pick up when we grow a cover crop. We measured that within um, a couple of years, we are seeing that the soils that are cover crop with some protection uh, are less susceptible to wind erosion compared to even our no-till fallow fields.
0: We'll be right back to the podcast, but first I want to thank our sponsor. Bio-till cover crops provide innovative solutions to growing problems with a complete line of cover crops engineered to scavenge nutrients, improve water infiltration, stop erosion, rejuvenate soils, Improve your bottom line and keep you profitable. Call 541 928 0102 today for one on one local consultations and recommendations. And now back to the podcast. Talk a little bit about how the timing of cover crop planting might make a difference. Say, uh, planting early in the spring versus later in the summer after uh perhaps after a, a cash crop harvest
1: yeah that is an interesting uh question and um we have seen in our research uh we do both we have both uh spring planted cover crops that we plant in march in early spring versus uh planted summer cover crops right after winter wheat harvest It all depends on the year and we've seen that uh, we have more sources with our spring cover crops Uh, the failures are less than our summer cover crops that we plant right after wheat harvest. You know, in the spring, we put the cover crop there, we will get some moisture to get it up, And then they grow, but in some years, the yields are lower. But consistently, we've been able to grow the spring cover crops. The summer cover crops, post-wheat summer cover crops, uh, we've had failures in two years compared to uh, the three years. So we've done that for five years and we have failure, complete failure in two years because it was dry. But if we can get the summer cover crops established, the productivity is greater than the spring cover crops.
0: So what are some of the common soil fertility and nutrient management issues that you see in dryland cropping systems? And how do cover crops help with those issues
1: okay so in our environment like i mentioned before we have land degradation issues from erosion so soil organic matter levels are very low so we have depleted soil organic matter levels and if you have low soil organic matter content soils that tends to affect everything that you do in terms of nutrient management in our systems uh Nitrogen will be the most limiting nutrient and also phosphorus. We tend to have more potassium in the soil. Um, The other thing that we are also seeing now, which is a very current problem, is a decrease in soil pH, soil acidification. We are seeing that even in our no-till fields, we are having a significant stratification of pH. Sometimes in the top two inches of the soil, the pH is significantly less that when you uh, take samples from the subsoil. And this is due to application of nitrogen over the years. So where these cover crops comes in is if you plant cover crops in place of fallow, it can help in nutrient cycling as it builds up soil organic matter content in the soil. So if we improve in the soil organic matter levels in the soil, that can help uh, to make uh, more, more nutrients available for the crop and hopefully that can also help in mitigating some of these uh soil ph stratification that we are seeing in our system
0: okay very good so we talked a little bit earlier about which cover crop species are better in a dry land situation kind of looking at that question the other way around are there certain cash crops that work better when they're grown uh, in rotation with cover crops?
1: Well, it all depends on the rotation that you, the producer is using. So depending on the crop rotation here in Western Kansas, we tend to have wheat sorghum fallow rotation or wheat corn uh, fallow rotation. So we plant our cover crops either after sorghum harvest in the, in the spring, so kind of be in the sorghum stubble. And it works very well if you, terminate the cover crops early to get a recharge and then you plant your subsequent uh, wheat crop following that. Uh, cover crops are also can be planted after wheat harvest and then they are frost terminated and then you can plant sorghum or corn into the cover crop stubble. We are working with producers in Central Kansas that have soybean in their rotation and they're putting cover crops and they're still working well for them. In Southwest Kansas, we are working with producers that typically do a uh, continuous corn rotation. Uh, they do continuous corn and we have been planting cover crops after corn harvest and then terminate them and plant corn into So most of the crops that we grow here actually work well with our cover crop system but you have to find a way how to put the cover crops in the rotation to fit your production system.
0: That makes sense. So what about cover crop termination methods? Does the termination method influence how effective the cover crop is?
1: Yeah, the question is uh, how does termination method influence cover crop effectiveness? Um, Here, we don't normally use the mechanical forms of termination of cover crops because we don't grow like roller uh, crimpers. We don't use those because we are not producing that quite big biomass. So most of our termination is herbicides. So one thing that you can do with herbicide termination is you can put some residual herbicides with your cover crop. So if you do that, then you may be able to protect the soil against, uh, soil against uh, a lot of weeds uh, infestation later on. And then I've met one producer who has talked about sometimes if you terminate the uh, cover crops with glyphosate, the residue doesn't last very long. So depending on some of the herbicide that we can use, you, to terminate the cover crop, that can affect the residue levels. One thing that I wanna point out is the timing of termination is very, very important. Because if you leave the cover crops to grow longer and you terminate them, then you have more biomass and then the residue will also stay longer but that is also at the expense of uh, water use. If you terminate the cover crop too early, they will not have that much growth on it, and also uh, the residue will not last longer. So the termination timing is very, very important. You have to find the, the soft spot where they are not using too much water and also, they have produced quite a bit of biomass. That when you terminate it, you still have enough biomass to protect the soil. And this, we are doing this at least at the time of heading of the cover crop. So while they head before they set seed, then we go ahead and terminate that. So that is kind of a compromise uh, between not terminating too early and also not too late.
0: Okay. Okay. So earlier you talked a little bit about how um, erosion is a a big problem in some of these semi-arid areas. How do cover crops help protect the soil against erosion?
1: Yeah, this is really, really important uh, in our dry land environment. You know, we live in the great Plains where the wind blows all the time. So when the wind blows, it carries uh, loose soil with it. So, for our soils to be sustainable, they have to be remain covered. So, soil that has no cover are more susceptible to wind erosion, and that is where cover crops comes in. So, if you don't have a fallow, that you till the field, or you know you have a no-till fallow ground, but you plant something in place of fallow, that means you have a crop growing. So if you have a crop growing like a cover crop, then the soil is protected. So with these high winds that are blowing around, if you have the fields protected with vegetation cover, then the soil doesn't blow as much. So that is why cover crops are very important. And that is why we are picking, uh, they saw how fiscal properties, as when we plant a cover crop, within two years, we are seeing that where we have these cover crops, Are actually being protected against uh, erosion. And we've seen greater aggregate stability uh, in terms of uh, um, wet aggregate stability or dry aggregate stability in fields that we planted this cover crop versus where we have as follows, even in no till fields.
0: Okay. So earlier you mentioned that. um, you have seen soil organic matter levels be maintained or stay the same in semi-arid fields, perhaps where cover crops were used. Have you seen instances where that soil organic matter level has increased and and what did it take to make those soil organic matter levels go up?
1: Yeah, so, Soil organic matter levels in our fields are low because of low productivity in our dryland environment. So, to make soil organic matter, you need biomass. So, growing a cover crop that can produce biomass actually helps in building up this organic matter content faster. So, one of the things that we have seen in our research is uh, looking at maybe if you have very uh, poor soils with low organic matter content, the best way to do this is probably grow a full season cover crop. You grow a cover crop, produce enough biomass, a lot of biomass. So if you have this residue on the soil, it helps to build the soil organic matter levels up. So all it what it takes to build the soil organic matter level is biomass or residue. So growing a cover crop, in addition to your raw crops, will build the soil organic matter content faster than going with strictly uh, no-till. No-till helps to build soil organic matter levels, but no-till with uh, some cover cropping will help build soil organic matter levels quicker.
0: Okay. So um, you've talked a little bit about using cover crops for weed suppression in dryland scenarios. What weeds are, are most problematic in those areas where moisture is limited?
1: Yeah, that is a, a big problem that we are dealing with right now is kosher and uh, palma amaranth. These are two important weeds in dryland environments that are resistant to herb- most of the herbicides that we use. Right now, the only option to control uh, kosher, maybe palma, is paraquat and is really really a huge challenge so one thing that we have seen in our research is when you grow these cover crops they suppress these weeds sometimes even the weed numbers may not be different from where we have at fallow versus the cover crop but the biomass of these weeds are very, very, very small. So you still have kosher or palma growing below the canopy of these cover crops, but the plants are very small. So it's very easy to kill uh, these uh, weeds when you terminate your cover crop versus where you have as fallow. The one thing that you can also benefit from this grow, growing these cover crops is you are reducing the frequency of herbicide application. Like I mentioned, we spray twice, maximum twice on our cover crop versus doing four times uh, application of herbicides. So the frequency of applying these herbicides is what caused the resistance in the first place. So if you are growing a cover crop to replace portions of your fallow period, that means you are applying, uh, the herbicide application frequency goes down. So you are reducing the selection pressure for these uh, herbicide resistance weeds. And that is very, very helpful right now in dryland environments.
0: Sure. So, you mentioned earlier that a lot of growers use um, herbicides for cover crop termination. Is there concern that continuing to use herbicides for cover crop termination might somehow add to the problem of herbicide resistant weeds?
1: yeah that yeah that is an interesting. i haven't talked too much about that but that could be also a problem but you know as i mentioned that uh, most of these uh, cover crops tends to be dominated by these grass species so right now we are not seeing that issue uh with herbicide resistance from this termination of cover crops with uh with herbicide but that could be an issue maybe in the future but this is something that we have to look into. Uh, The other thing is we are also seeing more, more people grazing these cover crops. So when they graze them and then the regrowth comes up, then they terminate it, but it's still being herbicide is the predominant means of control, uh, terminating these herbicides, uh, uh, sorry, terminating these cover crops. And that could be a problem maybe in the future, but right now we haven't seen that.
0: Sure so um we're, we're running short on time for today where can our listeners go for more information about cover crops in dryland systems
1: yeah we do have most of our research that we are working on uh, we write uh reports on this research that you can get from k-state uh, research and extension website if you go to our website and you click on research reports we have several uh, reports on our cover crop research being published there. We also have uh, published some est- two extension uh, publications that talks about grazing summer cover crops and also grazing spring planted cover crops in dryland environments. This was done in collaboration with uh, Colorado State University. So Colorado State University may also have these two extension uh, publications that you can find online. It has data from. The long-term experiments that I've talked about with growing cover crops and also our data from grower fields that we conducted cover crop research in Kansas and also eastern part of Colorado.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Augustine. We appreciate your time.
1: And thank you for having me. If anyone wants more clarification on anything that I've said, you can email me. Or call me. I'm based at the K State Agriculture Research Center in Hayes. Thank you.
0: Great. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Once again, I want to thank BioTill for sponsoring this podcast. To learn more about BioTill, call 541 928 0102 today. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropsstrategies.com.